I'm Mary Parker, and welcome to this episode of Eureka's Sounds of Science. At the close of 2023, it's a good time to reflect on the past year. This was an especially momentous year for Charles River as we celebrated our 75th anniversary. To help me reminisce, I've invited longtime Charles River employee Bill Barbo. He is our chief commercial officer, but he started in 1982 as a scientist, so he's the perfect subject to dig into our history. Welcome, Bill. Thank you, Mary. It's great to be with you. Yeah, great to be with you, too. I'm enjoying this Thursday so far. <laughs> oh, it's a beautiful fall day in New England. Yeah. So can we start with a bit about you? Tell me about your education and how you came to Charles River. Sure. Well, I actually started, as you mentioned, officially in 1982, 40 years ago. Wow. Almost exactly 40 years ago. But really, I started a bit before that as a summer intern while I was still in college studying biology. I actually worked as an animal caretaker. I was cleaning cages in um, <laughs> our Wilmington, Massachusetts site, which at the time was as our largest rodent production facility. So I was working in a barrier room as a summer job. <laughs> After I graduated from college, I went to work in the laboratory, or what back then we called it the laboratory. Today we call it RADS, Research Animal Diagnostic Services, where I worked in necropsy and pathology. Fantastic. And I loved it. Went back to school to get a master's degree actually in cell biology. But by the time I had finished that, I had moved from working at the lab bench into marketing and product management. So started to get the idea that, you know, science and business do mix and uh, that might be a, a worthwhile career. So I went back to school again, got my master's degree in business and MBA. So two master's degrees on the uh, company's tuition reimbursement program. Nice. And then I spent the next, I don't know, 20, 25 years or so running businesses for the company as a general manager when I included the RADS business, as I mentioned, GEMS, which we, which we started while I was here at that time, the very early days of discovery. So it was really um, fun and dynamic time getting into lots of new business areas for the company. And then about 15 years ago, I officially joined the sales organization. So carried a bag, as they say, <laughs> for a while. I lived and worked in Europe where I was selling as a, as a key account manager, calling on our European big pharmaceutical companies, clients, and returned to the U.S. about 10 years ago to take this position as the head of sales and marketing. Wow. So what drew you to rats and mice in the first place? And then what made you make the switch to marketing? Yeah, well, I needed a job. I needed a job, <laughs> so that uh, I, I grew up very close to Wilmington in a town just next door to Wilmington. So it was a pretty big employer back then. Had a reputation for being a, a great place to work. So I applied for a job, and as I said, was a was a summer hire working in a, a rodent barrier room. Uh, and it's sort of all related. Um, I knew about the lab. I knew about the work that they were doing in animal diagnostics and laboratory animal medicine. I was a biology major. So coming back to work in the laboratory was really sort of a perfect uh, role for me. And then just sort of watching the business grow and evolve. And again, you know, being a biology major, I was thinking I was going to be a, a research scientist for my whole career, be, mm -hmm. be an academician or something. And, and realizing that companies like Charles River, where, where science and business sort of come together for such a great mission, drug discovery and development at that time, was just really compelling. 
So got involved in product management, which was a great, which was a great job and decided I, I needed to know more about what this, this new world of business was all about. So that's why I went back to school and got my MBA. I would imagine that coming from the scientific background, that probably made you a really effective salesman, especially when you're trying to sell to other scientists. It did. I mean, I think it did. I'm obviously, I'm obviously biased. It's, <laughs> it's kind of a great mix, just sort of having the scientific background and then also learning and becoming a sales professional. I talk about that with, with our sales and commercial folks all the time. So it's not necessarily, it's not quid pro quo that you absolutely have to be a, you know, a PhD level scientist in any specific technology, but having that foundation, having that scientific background and foundation, because generally our clients are scientists and it's a Mm -hmm. scientist to scientist sell. It's a very collaborative sale. So it worked. It really sort of fit together. It, It really sort of fit together quite well. Cool. So what do you know about the early days of Charles River, you know, before your time and then, you know, later when you came on board? Yeah, um, a lot. Well, when <laughs> when I started with the company 40 years ago, the company was 35 years old already. And our founder, Dr. Henry Foster, uh, was still the CEO, Jim's dad. And, you know, how he started the company and his, his vision and entrepreneurial spirit was a story that we, we all knew and, and could listen to o- over and over again. In fact, <laughs> I think you and Regina did a really nice story about our history earlier yep. this year that I, yep, I think that was Regina <laughs> can still access. And um, it's really an amazing story about starting what essentially became the standard for laboratory animal medicine and laboratory animal care um, and the development of that to support research um, mm-hmm. in the in the early days of, of drug discovery and development. So yeah, it was ex- it was interesting and exciting and a really fun time. Yeah, because I mean, it's not that Charles River invented, you know, standardizing mice and rat models, but we really were, you know, pretty particular about it, especially in the beginning. I think that it really set us apart as a high quality rat and mouse supplier, didn't it? Indeed, it did. We were led by Dr. Foster, were really sort of pioneers in the space, you know, prior to his vision of of starting the company, the animals that were being used in in discovery and drug development were not well-defined or characterized, riddled mm-hmm. with disease. Certainly, the, the genetic boom hadn't even happened yet. So it was really the beginnings of, of what we now know as sort of laboratory animal medicine and, and why that's important and, this, and the foundation of everything that we've, we've become now, you know, 75 years later. So, yeah, it's really sort of an amazing, amazing story. Yeah. I, I hadn't really thought about it before, but standardizing mice and rat models is what also I I would assume fit into the three R's because with better defined mice and rats and healthier mice and rats, you need to run fewer experiments and the experiments are more well-defined, therefore give you better data. Absolutely right. Spot on. And, you know, discerning, you know, looking at research data and discerning what's truly drug effect or what's truly Mm -hmm. a result of the experiment that you're running versus the fact that the animals have different viruses or bacteria or or aren't well defined mm-hmm. you know are they really the right animal you know genetically speaking right and none of that existed prior to the work that uh, Dr. Foster did in the in the very early days so it absolutely was transformative yeah, uh, yeah. in every aspect of of what you described 
Yeah, it just reminds me of a couple of years ago when we were just starting out with researching COVID. It turned out that the uh, golden Syrian hamster was an excellent COVID model, uh, especially in those early days. And that was one of the animals that that we had that um, some other companies didn't have. And that story I thought was especially interesting because all of the golden Syrian hamsters in captivity apparently came from just one litter of hamsters found in the twenties. Exactly. And they were bred bred from there. So I just Yeah. I'm gonna have to write that story someday because that one is is really interesting to me. But anyway, what are some of the areas of the industry that have changed in the the most in the last seventy five years? Well, so many. I mean, the, the, the big one. So, so we have to start with what we just talked about. I mean, yeah, there's, yeah. there's probably a couple of major inflection points, in my opinion, right? And the, that sort of lab animal science, lab animal medicine, you know, the, the ability to, to produce really well-characterized animal models was mm-hmm. the first and early days, right, of that sort of trans, transformative uh, change. Uh, and we were obviously in the, the forefront of that, as, you know, we just talked about. No one had that. No one had ever thought of doing that before. Um, so it truly was entrepreneurial in that uh, an aspect of it, creating better and more translatable tools for research to use mm-hmm. in, in that industry. Of course, the diversification of the company after that into more of a full-service drug discovery, development, and now manufacturing organization means that the the industry footprint is much broader, and so the changes come with come rapidly and with mm-hmm. science scientific advancement so you know if you want to think about how we've evolved across the generations of those early days of lab animal medicine into the genetics the genetic boom and in genetics and how that played a role in discovering new medicines and therapies and now you know selling gene therapy it's, it's really quite remarkable do you have a favorite genetically modified rat or mouse model, something that's particularly cool or, or versatile? Well, you know, the, the very first ones which we were involved in, and I was personally involved in, was the famous Harvard mouse. It was invented by, in, in developed in Dr. Phil Leader's laboratory at, right here in Massachusetts at Harvard University. And it was the first transgenic mouse model. So mice or animals didn't get it was a cancer model, a breast cancer model, and they mm-hmm. did, the mice, you know, don't get breast cancer the way uh, humans do because they don't have the same genes that that cause that disease. And so, inserting the human genes or some of the early human genes, or many more have been discovered since then, but mm-hmm. inserting some of the early human genes of breast cancer enabled Dr. Lita to create mouse model of human breast cancer. And, and it's my favorite story because it was, it was unimaginable at the time. It was, uh, the science was actually pretty <laughs> rudimentary when we think of what we can do today. Yeah. But back then was just amazing. I couldn't, I couldn't read or, or learn enough about it. I visited that laboratory as a young scientist you know, at Charles River. And it's just, it's just one of my favorite stories. And of course, since then, we've evolved into a whole new industry. It had to start somewhere. But speaking of which, um, what, in your opinion, are, are some of the biggest milestones for Charles River in the past seventy-five years? Yeah, you know the the those first thirty to forty years where we were really just a hundred percent product business, and then mm-hmm. the vision to expand and diversify the company into services first 
within within the RMS, you know, the S in RMS, the services mm-hmm. part of the research models business, which were the early days of GEMS and RADS and lots of other services now that sort of uh, go along with that product business. And so going from a 100% product company to now probably an 80% uh, services company with the addition of safety assessment and discovery and mm-hmm. um, and all the other services businesses really sort of a, a really important important part of that story so what are what have you observed in your time as some of the biggest changes um, in your career at Charles River well I have to go back to innovations in drug development I mean I, mm-hmm. I just think that's really sort of the you know people ask me all the time why why have you been at, at one company for 40 years and it's really it's it's first about the people but second about the mission and our role in discovering drug development and now manufacturing and so as i started to describe earlier when you think of the the early days of the genetics boom which was right around the time i joined the company the mapping of the human genome and other mammals and creating animal models where none ever for human diseases where none ever existed before and how transformative mm-hmm. that was and the ability to, to find new treatments and medicines and cures for so many unmet needs. And then you roll that clock forward to more contemporary times where you have the what I call the oncology boom and the advancements that have been made in, in, in oncology, particularly immuno-oncology, where we've really transformed how we understand and treat cancer. Mm-hmm. And this is in, in the last 10 or 20 years where we used to talk about five-year survival rates and now we talk about cures. It, yeah. it, it's amazing. And I think cell and gene therapy is next. Again, so many complex unmet medical needs that are, are cellular or gene-based where we now have new scientific technologies that will be able to finally begin to address those conditions. And I think in each of those cases, Charles River was there contributing and providing a host of products and services to help our clients and ultimately their patients with, with new with new therapies. So it's uh, pretty cool. Yeah. It, what else do you think have been some of the biggest scientific advancements in drug development in general? I mean, I personally have a soft spot for CRISPR. <laughs> it's pretty cool what it can do. It seems almost limitless, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think that's sort of the beginning of of that cell and gene therapy boom that we just talked about. So mm-hmm. imagine, I mean, many of the big unmet medical needs are genetic diseases and how complex they are, especially around CNS and even some of the other genetic diseases, you know, cystic fibrosis comes to mind where there've been gigantic medical mm-hmm. advancements mm-hmm. in that in, in just the past, the past few years, diseases that there was literally not, not, no matter, you can't talk about cure. There wasn't even effective treatments for mm-hmm. where, where today we have those and, or the beginnings of some of those and some of the really tough CNS diseases, central nervous system diseases, starting to see things emerge in areas like Alzheimer's and dementia and some of the really, some of those really tough diseases. I think the future is I think the future is bright, and I think we have the opportunity in our lifetime to see even even further advances that will be maybe today unimaginable, but not not so much in just a few years. Well, it's an interesting time in history for sure, especially with cell and gene therapy, because it's so it's so in its infancy, and we're seeing where the science is advancing farther than the infrastructure, like the manufacturing and the distribution, and all of that is going to have to come eventually as well. 
Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Charles River got into that. I don't actually have any any intelligence on that, but it's just like it, we're really seeing the the cart being put before the horse because we have all these great advances, but we don't really have a way to get it to people reliably yet. Although obviously that will come. Yeah, it's all about the patience, right? And I think anything that's going to be related to this industry in in helping our clients, right, the biopharmaceutical mm-hmm. uh, world, do a better job in delivering healthier lives for patients mm-hmm. is going to be part of our part of our role and part of our mission. I mean, I'm convinced of that. I don't have any insights <laughs> insights into the into the long-term strategy either, but I think our track record's pretty clear. I think the history's pretty clear and as we've sort of filled out that portfolio from identifying those unmet needs early on and then developing discovery programs and development and and manufacturing to support it has really been who we are for 75 years. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, going forward, what do you hope to see from Charles River and the industry in general towards the future? Yeah. I mean, more of the same. I think we're closer to the patients than we've ever been before. We obviously don't work directly with patients, but one step removed, the clients for whom we do our work are connected to the patients. We're moving into the manufacturing area now with all of the activity that we've had around cell and gene therapy and some of the recent acquisitions that we've done on the on the CDMO side, contract development manufacturing organizations that we've that we've acquired recently. So I think again, continuing to fill in that pipeline, to fill in mm-hmm. that continuum from basic research all the way through all the way through to the clinic and, and a lot of post-market beyond the clinic work that we do that's related to manufacturing of these new drugs and therapies is equally important. You know, one of the big challenges in cell and gene therapy is simply going to be making them. Yeah. Um, not the discovery. Um, that, that seems clear that we've got the science and technology. You mentioned one of the big ones, CRISPR, already. But then taking and actually manufacturing, literally making the product at scale mm-hmm. or the drug product or what's going to become the drug product at scale is going to be a huge challenge. And we're squarely, uh, we're squarely proceeding to meet that challenge with some of the latest areas that we've expanded into. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Bill. This has been a fun conversation, and you know, I kind of hope that all our predictions for the future do come true. Well, that would be that would be fantastic. <laughs> Thanks so much for inviting me, and uh, I enjoyed it as well. That was great. Thank you. 